Good afternoon, everyone. How is everyone today on Friday afternoon after reInvent? Come on, you, you got to do better than that. Okay, how's everyone doing? There we go. Good, good. How many of you is, uh, is this reInvent for the first time? Wow. Look at that. That's amazing. That is great. Well, thank you so much for coming to reInvent and experiencing what I think has been the biggest and best reInvent we have had. So you came at the right year. You know, I, first off, I want to do a little experiment. Okay? So um, what I want to do is I want you to, to, to look around. One of the great things about, about reInvent is, you know, coming to the sessions like we're doing right now, but also interacting with others. This social aspect of reInvent is extremely important. So what I want you to do uh, as an experiment is uh, look around, find someone that you don't know. I want you to stand up, walk over to them, introduce yourself. So this is going to go both ways. Introduce yourself, where you're from, the company you're with, your title, and if you love or hate your network file system today. <laughs> and why. Okay, so we're including the why there. So we're not going to take all day. Okay, this is the, the why is going to be like just a couple of items. So do that now. We'll take about a minute or two minutes. If you need to stand up, stand up, find someone you don't know, introduce yourself, where you're from, what, what your title is, if you love or hate your file system, and why. So we'll do that now. We'll play a little music while you guys do that. Next two minutes. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that. It's great to meet someone new, uh, find out a little bit more about them. Uh, so who just met or is sitting next to uh, an IT administrator or an engineer? that you met? Okay, a few of you? Okay. How about uh, who's sitting next to or just met uh, a developer? Do you have any developers? Yeah, you're ne next to a developer? Okay. Business managers, anyone sitting next to a business manager, an owner, a director? Okay, a few of those. Okay. Well, as an IT administrator, what if you didn't have to you didn't have to manage this complex shared file system. Manage the, the, the servers or the storage behind that. You know, what if developers, you, you didn't have to live within or work within the constraints of a network file system? You know, what if you didn't, as business owners, you didn't, you could actually move from, say, a, a CapEx model over to an OpEx model? You know, so what if there was something better than the network file system you have today? Well, that if is here. So I want to thank you for, for coming to our session. Uh, this is STG 207, a case study on why Atlassian and uh, used... Amazon EFS with JIRA to cut costs and accelerate performance. 
My name is Daryl Osborne, and I'm a, a storage specialist solutions architect with Amazon Web Services. And it's a privilege for me to be joined on stage with Brad Bressler, a technical account manager with Atlassian, and Neil Riley, an enterprise evangelist at Atlassian. So this is a 200-level introductory session. Uh, so we're not going to go too deep. But what we want to do is by the end of this session, we want you to have a good understanding of where Amazon EFS fits within our storage portfolio, as well as some the, the benefits of EFS and where it could fit within your organization today. And I know Brad and Neil want you to have a better understanding of who Atlassian is, what they do, and how and why they elected to use Amazon EFS for their, for their environment. So not all storage is equal. You know, data and storage requirements differ from workload to workload. So you don't have a single platform that all your data can, can sit on. So what I want to, to do is, is I like to look at storage in a number of ways. There's really file, object, block, and something I call batches and streams, really a data transfer. How you access that data, how you ingest that data or ingest that data. So within AWS, we have Amazon EFS, which is our elastic file system. And that is the latest core storage service we have at AWS. And it's built on network file systems. Uh, this is really what we want to talk about today, so we'll, we'll dive deeper into that in a few minutes. The next is object. So object storage is uh, a system of storing files versus a file system. Okay, so let me say that one more time. So object storage is a system of storing files as opposed to a file system. So there's, there's a difference there. So an object is a file. It could be uh, a text file, an image, an audio, video. Uh, it also, an object also has variable amount of metadata about that, about that file. And a unique identifier. Object storage also has a, a flat hierarchy and a unique namespace. So within AWS, we have Amazon S3, which is our simple storage service. That is object storage for the cloud. It is secure, it is durable, and highly available. It has a very simple web interface that allows you to access and store any amount of data from anywhere on the web. Amazon Glacier is also object storage. It's also secure, it's also durable, but very low cost. It's really for archival or long-term backup, long-term storage needs. Next we have Block. So Amazon EBS or Amazon Elastic Block Store is a, a service that allows you to attach a block device over the network to an Amazon EC2 instance. And the operating system of that Amazon EC2 instance thinks of that 
block storage device as locally attached. This is where you would put your file system or your, and your operating system. Uh, and it is persistent. So it persists beyond the life of your EC2 instance. Some EC2 instances also have what we call instance store. That is local storage to the underlying host of that EC2 instance. And that is ephemeral. It is temporary. So you can store data on that instance store, but remember that it is temporary. So when that instance were to go away for any reason, that data is going to be lost. And over the years, we've learned from you that a lot of things matter. Two of those things that I want to just mention, scale and access. Scale, you want to be able to grow whenever you want to. And access, you want to be able to access your data whenever you need to. Uh, so over the years, we have developed new services and features to help you get access to your data, to use that data, to ingest that data or ingest that data. So we have Snowball and Storage Gateway and Direct Connect. And these all help you get access to your data on AWS. So as we just talked about today, there are a lot of pain points with your existing network file system. For IT administrators, you have to manage the demand. How do you size the network file system for your environment, for all of your users? You also have to manage the infrastructure, the compute, the storage, the all of that around your, your network file system. Those that were sitting next to developers, uh, those developers had a lot of pain, I'm sure, that they, when they, they explained this to you, is that they need to develop their applications within the constraints of their file system. And for business managers and business owners, uh, you know, they have, uh, they have to write this big check whenever they need to replace or, or add in a, a file system. Or they need to, uh, you know, sign this long-term agreement. It's really a CapEx model. But what if, what if there is something better? What if IT administrators didn't have to worry about any of that infrastructure and it could scale to petabyte scale without them touching anything? What if developers could develop an application um, for on-prem and seamlessly migrate that over to the cloud using the same file system and having it accessible from on-prem and the cloud at the same time? What if these business owners and business managers moved from a CapEx to a, an OpEx model, didn't have to worry about the constraints, the costs associated with maintaining all of this infrastructure. They knew what it was going to be every single month because you pay for the storage you use, not for the storage you buy, only the storage that you use. Well, that what if is here today. Amazon EFS is a secure, simple, elastic, managed service file system in the cloud. Uh, 
it eliminates the need for users like yourself to manage a, a complex infrastructure because we do all of that for you. Um, it has the regular, the, the common file semantics that you're used to. It has a file system API access. So if you have applications using NFS today, you can use EFS. And one thing we um, released, or we just announced earlier this week, was support for NFS clients sitting on-prem to access that EFS file system in AWS, in your VPC, over Direct Connect, which is great. So now you can have a file system in the cloud being accessed by NFS clients on-prem, as well as NFS clients within your VPC. Uh, it's shareable across thousands of instances. You can spin up one, 10, 100, 1,000 instances and connect thousands of instances and connect to your EFS file system. And it'll automatically grow to petabyte scale. And it has strong cons consistency. It's highly available. It's the NFS environment that, that you're, you're familiar with because we support those protocols that, uh, that you're familiar with. And again, it is new. That new service um, going uh, on-premises NFS clients over to over Direct Connect to EFS is supported today in, in three of our regions. So when we were designing EFS, we wanted to eliminate the pain that we all talked about earlier today about managing and maintaining a file system. We wanted, we made it, we made it simple. We made it elastic, and we made it scalable. And all of this we wanted to put on a foundation of high availability and high durability. EFS is simple. Within seconds, you can create an EFS file system. And this file system can be mounted to clients within minutes. It can scale to tens, hundreds, or thousands of instances. Uh, we do support NFS 4.0 and 4.1, but we do recommend NFS 4.1. We also recommend that you use Linux kernel 4.0 or newer. And we do that because of the performance benefits of this, uh, the latest stack of, of the Linux, Linux kernel 4.0 or NFS 4.1 uh, to help with scale and parallelism. It works with the standard OS API, file system API access. And again, it's you pay for what you store. It's a very simple storage and cost model. EFS is elastic. It's able to grow and shrink automatically. So as you add new files to your EFS file system, it's automatically going to grow. If you delete those files from your EFS file system, it's automatically going to shrink. You don't have to manage. You don't have to allocate. You don't have to provision storage anymore for EFS. And again, you only pay for what you use, for only what you store. It is scalable. It'll, it is able to scale to petabyte size. Um, and performance scales with the capacity that you use. So as you put more data in, the more throughput and IOPS 
you will get. It is a, uh, a highly uh, parallel distributed model. So as you add more data, you're able to access it uh, faster and the performance of throughput and IOPS will increase. So if you have, it is also durable. Uh, it is uh, designed and engineered the same durability as that Amazon S3. Uh, it is spread as a regional service, so it's accessible from all the availability zones within your region. So there's not a single point of failure. If an AZ were to, to go down, your clients in the other two AZs are still able to access your Elastic File System, as well as those that are sitting on-prem over Direct Connect. It is a production-ready file system today for Tier 0 applications. So, do you need an EFS file system? So if you have EC2 instances or uh, EC2 workload, or even NFS clients sitting on-prem, that you need a file system, you need to attach it to multiple NFS clients, you need to have high availability over multiple availability zones, you need to have gigabyte per second throughput. Not gigabit, gigabyte per, per second throughput. If you need that, and you want it to automatically scale, grow out and shrink back in when you need to, when you add data or delete data, then EFS is a file system for you. Today it's available in four regions. And we want to continue, and we plan on continuing to expand to other regions in the future. So with that, I want to turn the time over to Atlassian. Um, and they will tell us how and why they use Amazon EFS. Great. Thanks, Daryl. And thank you all for joining us today. I know everybody's probably got sore feet and a full brain after this fun week here. Uh, thank you all that stopped by the booth also or stopped me in the hallway. It's been really fun to hear a lot of customer stories this week. We really appreciate it. Um, so I'm Brad Bressler. I'm a technical account manager with Atlassian. And uh, today I've got Neil Riley with me as well. And we're going to walk you through the journey that led Atlassian to using AWS EFS, not just for our own internal services, but really to define a new way for how we launch our software to our largest enterprise customers. Um, so first, I got some, I'm just a little curious. How many people in here use Atlassian tools in their day-to-day -day jobs? Wow. Cool. A lot of you. How, how many of you are administrators for, for Atlassian applications? Quite a bit of those, too. And out of, out of you admins, how many are using Data Center? Anybody yet? All right, we've got a couple of those. And how many of you are in a AWS? Oh, wow. Most of y'all. Great. So today we're going to uh, walk through one of the, the story of one of our systems. And, but uh, first I want to start with a little background on who Atlassian is and, and how we came about and what our products are today to frame our need for AWS and EFS. So Atlassian was founded in 2002 in Sydney, Australia by Mike Cannon-Brooks and Scott Farquhar. And they met at university and started an IT consulting business together. And in order to track all the issues they were working on for their business, they wrote some software to keep track of everything. They called it Jira. Well, they put it up online for sale, and it turns out that Jira was a much better business than their IT consulting. Fast forward to today, and we've got over 1,800 people worldwide working on developing, supporting, and marketing our products. 
Uh, headquarters is still in Sydney, but we also have offices in San Francisco, Austin, Amsterdam, uh, Manila, and Yokohama. So I'm in our Austin, Texas office, and Neil's in Amsterdam. And Atlassian's a cool company to work for because we have this big and bold mission, and that's to unleash, unleash the potential in every team. And we believe behind all great human achievement, there's always a team there. Even when we celebrate the lone genius, there's often a team behind the scenes making, uh, working to make great ideas real. So what do we do for teams? Well, if you zoom out from and look at our product portfolio from a high level, we really help teams organize, discuss, and complete shared work. Whether they're a software team, an HR team, or a legal team, we help teams work better together. So that's Atlassian. What do we do? Well, I'm a technical account manager, which means I'm a trusted advisor to some of our largest enterprise customers. Uh, I work as a bridge to help get them the information they need. Uh, these customers are often pushing us to our technical limits, and they need somebody to be an internal advocate and help them. Neil is a principal enterprise evangelist, which means he's at the forefront of figuring out new and better technical solutions for our enterprise partners, and also taking those needs back to our internal teams to let them know what the reality is on the ground. So that's a quick primer on us. Um, why did we need EFS for JIRA? Well, JIRA is, uh, for, for those of you who don't know, it looks like most of this room probably already knows, a tool to help you track, report, and discuss work. And different teams have different needs, so we have three different versions of JIRA. We have JIRA for software teams, JIRA service desk for IT teams, and JIRA core for business teams. Single server deployment of JIRA is pretty straightforward. You just need an application node, a database, and volume storage. In the past few years, as is evident from this crowd, we've seen a lot of people moving this into AWS. It's pretty easy to represent. You just use EC2 for the application node, RDS for the database, and EBS for the volume storage. Now, at a lot of companies, JIRA started out under somebody's desk somewhere, maybe for one or two teams, 20 to 50 people, and by word of mouth, it spread throughout the organization. And once you have thousands of users across the globe, you have different needs that uh, you probably can't even uh, reach with, with single-server deployment in AWS, such as high availability, disaster recovery, being able to send certain traffic to certain destinations. Even with all the great uh, features of AWS, you can't do that with a single-server architecture of Jira. So for that, we built an enterprise-grade solution for these enterprise-grade uh, problems, and we call it data center. There are data center versions of JIRA software, JIRA service desk, uh, Confluence, and Bitbucket, and uh, HipChat's coming soon. If you want to be a part of that HipChat beta, just go to hipchat.com slash datacenter, and you can sign up for that. So data center's got a slightly more complex architecture than the single server deployment. You'll notice there's a load balancer out front and a couple more application nodes, and these are easily represented in AWS. The bottom part, though, the shared storage was a bit tricky. At the time we launched Data Center, there was no shared storage option natively available in AWS. And so we looked at a couple different options and nothing was really uh, good enough for us to say that we could support running Data Center on, on the AWS platform. But as many of you know, AWS is the way a lot of people do business now. And one of our TAM customers came to me and said that our infrastructure is AWS. We need to run Jira Data Center, we need to run Bitbucket Data Center, and we need to figure out a way to make it work on AWS. So, I knew that there had to be a team somewhere in Atlassian working on this, because if there's one thing I know, it's that we dog food everything hard internally. My research led me to the team that runs support.atlassian.com. Now, this is the JIRA instance that handles all of our support tickets for all of our products worldwide. How many of you have supported or submitted a ticket to SAC before? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, this is, as we've grown exponentially as a company, this instance has had to grow as well. So it was approaching one million issues. This was just a single server running on-premises, and we had to take it down for maintenance all the time. It wasn't redundant. Uh, there was outages due to, to load and, as well as maintenance. And so we needed to figure out a better solution for this, and we knew that data center was the answer to our scaling needs. 
At this point, I have to call out Sam Caldwell, who's one of our site reliability engineers in Austin, because he really made the push saying, if we are moving to data center, we have a chance to start over. Let's do it in AWS. We can take advantage of auto scaling. We can take advantage of all the other great things that AWS has to offer. We still needed to figure out a way to do the shared storage, and we knew that we could run NFS on an EC2 mount, but that would be a single point of failure. We looked at some third-party options, but we just didn't have the internal knowledge on how to run those, and we didn't want to be in the infrastructure business ourselves. So when Amazon came to us and said that we could be a part of the EFS beta, we jumped at the idea, and we thought that this might be the solution to our, pro uh, our problems. So Neil's going to give you a little bit of background on what our technical and business requirements for EFS for JIRA were, and the testing we did to ensure that it was going to work for our, for our use case. So who here... Who here runs a service as an IT administrator? I see one. Nobody? You use services? So if you, what's the biggest thing about running a service? Downtime. You cannot have downtime. Downtime is not an option. And as Brad mentioned, as we were going from, you know, increasing our load for support.atlassian.com, a single server was just simply not enough. We needed to have something resilient. So. Uh, for those of you who use data center already or administer it, you know how this works, but if you move to this HA model, you get this redundancy in scale, and if you have an issue with one of your nodes, you don't, you don't have a catastrophic failure for your entire service, right? So as Brad mentioned, the data center model is very fairly simple. I mean, we have a load balancer, you have an application node, shared database. But if you think about it, these are all at the application layer. This application, Jira, is a service that you would provide back to the organization. And when you're thinking about your infrastructure, the application is just one layer, right? The infrastructure mountain is much higher. And under that application lies the infrastructure you need to make that work. But moving to data center introduced not only a new application model, but actually a whole bunch of new infrastructure pieces that were brand new to us. And those absolutely could not go down either, right? So we were on support.atlassian.com on-prem. We were running everything ourselves. And we were coming across a lot of problems. You know, we were having hardware failures. We were trying to come up with a disaster recovery plan that made sense. Likewise, the updates to the application were something that we could do, right? We make the application. We make Jira. But the underlying updates to the OS layer and everything else simply was too much for us to handle. It was something that we knew we could, we could staff and go forward with, but it was not the model that we wanted to get into. So enter Amazon. You know, Amazon Web Services is a leader in this infrastructure as a service space, as all of you know. And I just, one more time so we can have it for the cameras. How many of you host on Amazon? Yeah, everybody, thank God. Cool. So you know why you use Amazon. It's cost effective. It's absolutely high performance. And some of the announcements that came out recently about the new C and M layers, super happy about that. Likewise, it's secure by default, right? So go back to the application layer. For those of you who understand Jira, you know, you understand probably some of these application pieces. Nginx is our proxy. You know, Java is the underlying technology behind Jira. In uh, Tomcat, and Postgres is the database we were using. But that shared file system was a new piece for us. It was a new muscle that we hadn't really flexed as much inside the company. So in Jira Data Center, that piece, that shared storage, is for attachments, profile data. It also loads plugins and does index replication. So this was an important piece. This was absolutely an important part of the infrastructure. So if you go back to the business and say, we need this new skill, we need this new piece, what does it need to be? What is the business requirement that we're going to need to fill? And of course, it needs to be easy to set up. It needs to be cost effective and predictable. Likewise, it needs to be easy to maintain. If you go on the technical side, basically all the problems that we were seeing inside of our on-prem infrastructure needed to be met and handled. 
inside of whatever infrastructure we use. It needs to be performant. It needs to have the ability to be resilient. Likewise, it needs to be secure by default. So as we were investigating our storage, I'm sure we came across a lot of the things you were investigating as well and some of the discussions you had with each other, right? So how many of you started out with NFS server as like your first shared storage or are running that service now? A few of you? So we did this as well. It was easy to set up. But we knew long term this was simply not an option. It's not resilient. It's a muscle that we would have to go build inside the organization to maintain as a service. Just simply wasn't there for us. So what's next? Gluster. How many of you have tried out Gluster? How hard was it to set up? Uh-huh. Yeah. So Gluster, while it meets the licensing requirements on the business side, it is definitely not easy to set up. And maintaining it simply is not something we want to do. And that is an interesting one to go back to the business with, right? That same application versus infrastructure conversation, when you look at the licensing cost, makes sense, right? At the tip of the iceberg, it's cheap. It's free. It's open source. Great. But underlying that, you know, that's where your true business cost comes up. Everything else is where that, that actual business ROI comes from, right? It's maintaining it, giving it the same level of resiliency, et cetera, et cetera. So Gluster, while it would have worked, and it is a good technology, you know, it is not something we wanted to get into because we do not want to get into the maintenance game at all. So Gluster was out. So enter EFS. You know, we were very excited to be part of the EFS beta. And if you go look at the boxes that we had in the organization, they checked all of them. It was performant. You know, that re redundancy and resiliency was really good. Likewise, it was secure by default, you know, in your VPCs and your IAM roles. But go back. The thing that was interesting to us was scale. You know, at the end of the day, if you want to scale to your data center, you have to have that scale in your file system layer as well. Our business requirements, same deal. Easy to set up, cost effective. Excuse me, it's hot up here. And the maintenance was done by Amazon. Good news, right? So you go back and look, EFS checks all the boxes. So we began testing. We wrote random files, 1KB to 1GB, and we read them back simultaneously, trying to match Jira Data Center's usage pattern, where you would have consistently people uploading, and randomly people would come in and read. So we were very happy to see. Our throughput was very steady, which was really good. Likewise, we were not hitting our capacity in, uh, in EFS, which was awesome. So that testing looked really good. Super happy about it. How many of you have set up EFS today? Gone in and tried it. Sorry. So for everyone else, let me tell you, oh, man, when you're ready to move to production, check the box. Create file system. It is literally that simple. Choose your region. Choose your availability zone. Because a lot of our team who was doing this was in Sydney, and I don't know if you've ever been to Sydney, Australia, they have amazing coffee. They went to a coffee shop. Gone for about 20 minutes. Come back, everything's up and running. Holy shit, it's great, right? So, cool. We go to EFS, we set up our CloudWatch alarms, we hook it back into our infrastructure as well. We're ready to go live. So, for those of you who have gone to support.atlassian.com, that is our on-prem site. We have taken the largest projects and the largest groups and the most uh, mission-critical groups, and we've moved them now to getsupport.atlassian.com, which is this new Jira Data Center instance. And as we went live, sure enough, 
everything was exactly as we had expected it to be. You know, our data writes, our throughput on the writes coming into the file system were absolutely performant. They maintained the stability that we needed. Likewise, when we're reading these files back off of the file system, this includes log data that you're sending us, you know, any sort of attachments you're uploading, we have that consistency and that burst that we need to maintain the structure and maintain the overall performance of your data center. And we're really happy to announce that you know, as we're growing just in git support.atlassian.com alone, we're somewhere in the neighborhood of about 15,000 uh, issues a month, that this shared file system is growing with us. You know, all of your log data is safe with us because we are throwing it into a, a system that is actually resilient and maintains that infrastructure over time, which we're really excited about. So if you look across your data center then, you know, for those of you who are architecture guys in the room, you love these kind of diagrams. We did it in compliments, by the way. Um, but yeah, as you come in, you're hitting an elastic load balancer. And then we have a layer that we use uh, for Nginx as our load balancer. We have some business logic that's, uh, that's trapped in there uh, using an autoscaling group. And then coming off of Nginx, we have another load balancer, ELB, that comes into Jira Data Center itself. So we're using autoscaling groups in our application layer, which Brad will talk about a bit. But likewise, we're from there able to connect off to our internal services, be they in AWS or otherwise. And we're able to uh, push off the, you know, profile data, log data, all of that kind of stuff into EFS. And you can see maybe a little bit on the right there, we're also doing index replication uh, for Jira Data Center in this uh, separate piece. And so we want to commend uh, Amazon for providing such an amazing service and working with us through this process. I mean, it was a very simple process considering what could have happened. You know, had we had to maintain this on-prem, had we had to go, you know, hire out uh, a team of people dedicated only to keeping Gluster or an NFS server online, just simply wasn't an option. Now, as a company, we can now dedicate ourselves to what we need to do, which is to provide that service back to our internal customers and external customers. So I'll hand it back to Brad to uh, talk about a few of the announcements that we are making this week about Data Center. Sure, thanks, Neil. So if you guys are watching this and thinking this sounds great, I really would love this at my organization. Uh, you've been thinking about moving to data center. You want to do it at AW on AWS as you're moving there. Got some great news for you. We've been working together with Amazon to uh, some solution architects at Amazon to make sure that we have best practices available and we have quick start guides available on the AWS website. Uh, we launched this for a Jira software data center and Bitbucket data center at our conference in October. And this week we're announcing that we're also uh, launching quick start guides for Jira Service Desk Data Center as well. Uh, in addition to those quick start guides, we have CloudFormation templates available. So with just a few clicks, you can provision out a uh, data center cluster on AWS for your organization as well. So with that, thank you all for coming. I'll pass it back to Daryl to close this out. Great. Thanks, Brad. So remember to complete your evaluations. But before we go, um, there are a couple of related sessions. This is the last EFS session for reInvent this year. But we encourage you to look on the AWS YouTube channel so you can watch all the other sessions if you did miss them. Um, now what we want to do is open up the room for Q&A. We do have a microphone over here on this side of the room. So if you have a question, come up and uh, ask us the question at that mic. You can ask us anything. 